PGA Nation, we are back, and we are back for the playoffs. Playoffs? <laughs> yeah, we got on our blue suede shoes, and we are walking to Memphis. There we are, the St. Jude. <laughs> I'm so corny, I can't help it. <laughs> how you doing tonight? I love what you just did there, kind of, not really. It kind of, you know, it started out great, and then... Walking in Memphis, I said this last time we were uh, at this particular tournament. It's a very underrated song. So everybody check that song out, Walking in Memphis. I'm doing great. I'm famously unprepared today, so hopefully I do okay. Um, I, I had a lot of stuff going on earlier today. Just wrapped a show with the first cut on all the legal stuff that just went down um, with the Live Tour, with that uh, temporary restraining order that was denied by the court. So uh, if anybody wants to catch that, some really interesting stuff there. But uh, I'm excited about this championship. This is weird, right? Because we have the 125, and then next thing you know, it's what is it, 75, and then it's 30, and it's like that's it's it's weird. I feel like this is the first one that's go the, the last one that's going to feel like a full field for for a little bit. It is. This is like it's kind of like the end of the road. It's like I'm feeling like yeah, it's the end of the season. We're gonna have a big week because next week it's just gonna be a smaller field. It's just not gonna be like a normal full field tournament till again till next year so it's even more important week for us right because by next year half these guys are going to be on live and then we don't know what we're going to do who we're going to we might be doing live show next year we don't know <laughs> but spence how you doing today well i've already been hired to do a live show so if you guys end up joining then i guess we can go that route with it but yeah this is the last tournament with a cut that we're going to have for this season it's probably my favorite of the three for that reason. Like when you get these reduced player pools, it becomes tougher for DraftKings, especially when you get down to uh, the final tournament of the year when you only have 30 players there. Because like, especially for this show too, like we're, that's something that we're going to have to talk about. If we're going to make four builds, like we're going to have 24 of those 30 players in our lineup. So it's going to be a very difficult week when we do that. But I think this is the last really good contest that we have this season. And, you know, I'm hoping player pools on DraftKings will reflect that. For sure. And, you know, one thing that's really important this week is to get your core down, right? Like, understand who you want to play. You know, what's very different this week than maybe the last handful of weeks is that it's a fully loaded field, right? We do have all the big names. And so a lot of these lower end guys that have been popping, it's going to look a little different when Thomas is out there and Scheffler and Rory. And so just keep that in mind that you know this is a full field. It's, it's almost going to, you know, it's more similar to a major than just like another tournament and to play the guys that, you know, are going to compete and get there. So we're going to draft tonight. Big night. Congrats to Spencer last week for a big win. Uh, I am going to go ahead and toot my own horn for taking the winner with my first pick, but didn't get it done. Spencer still had the better roster on the win. And so Spencer picked our order for tonight. Spencer, what's the order going to be tonight? I contemplated not giving myself the number one pick and making somebody else make the decision for me. Cause there's a couple guys up top that, I think if I push myself back, it would make some sense in that. But the order that I'm going to go with will be myself, Sia, the audience, and Joel. Hey, I have a question because uh, Zach reminded me of something. For the record, Zach was all over the Sia audience team. And he I specifically said our team was trash in the middle of us drafting uh, last week. So, hey, that's that props to Zach. That was a very uh, astute comment. But what, what was – okay, so remember Denny Gate? Was that last week? And who did we replace him with? Remember, he was nominated, but not actually nominated because I vetoed it. Who it was? Maybe, maybe Hubbard. Was that who it was? It was Hubbard. Who did better? I, I genuinely, I'm asking. I don't Hubbard. 
Just because, so, I mean, he didn't do well, but, uh, I mean, McCarthy didn't make the cut, so Hubbard came in whatever place that right. was, which was a little bit better. There you go. That's my veto power coming into play. David's on it, as usual, mentioning Hubbard as well. So the veto worked. It's one for one. And uh, speaking of David, I do want to point out, he's, he's definitely going to be coming on to the show Um he, certainly here and there like he has been, but um, I just want everybody to know that he is so precise. He's been doing so great with his picks. He's been killing it in Discord along with Steven and Isaiah and, and all of us. So uh, just look forward to seeing David a little bit more on this show too. Uh, and of course, some some high-flying guests like we had Kenny Kim last week. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be on my own this week. Let's see what happens. I think I, I hear Sia and his wife singing, here I go again. Oh my. <laughs> I'm going to get her to do maybe next year because she plays the piano too. I'm going to get her to do instead of walking in Memphis. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, go to my Twitter, please. Um, There's actually something going on for St. Jude uh, with one of the posts I had from yesterday. And and I'd appreciate a retweet there. But um, walking in Memphis, golfing in Memphis. Lyrics around that sort of tagline, I think would be amazing with piano in the background. That guy, Sam Goff, plays the piano. I don't know if I, I think I'm saying his name right. He's the guy that like sings some parody songs. He had one funny one about Tony Finau. I'm thinking about giving him the idea, but then I don't want him to just take it outright. So maybe like a duet or like something like that with, with Gigi. So we'll see. But anyway, I am a lot- big fan of golf and method. This is a song I want to hear. Golf and Memphis. That's yeah. a good one. I like yeah. that. See, Man. I just. I just want to say one thing very quickly, like that thing that you're doing with your wife singing and all the retweets and the donations to St. Jude's, that's a great thing that you have going on. So if you haven't done it yet, make sure to retweet CS post and donate to St. Jude's if you haven't already. Yeah. I'll tell you just on this post that, 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 you know, David actually helped out with, he wrote the lyrics for it. My wife sang, we, we played it on the first cut on the DFS show on Monday. And we did that one other time before a couple of weeks ago, we already have with my, um, 500 and and coach uh said he was gonna double mine and then i got a couple other guys to to donate 500 and a couple of the so the fans of our show and fans of the first cut um have uh, 200 here 20 here 10 here like legitimately right now and i think i think we'll get some more i think i did some just very quick math it's around like three thousand to four thousand dollars that we already have going to St. Jude's that's some people have already like donated it some people are about to because they're waiting for the the final confirmation on the retweets and all that stuff but uh, I know I'm donating 500 and I know not everybody can donate so I don't expect people to just like throw around money in in, in a time where they can't but the, the the larger point is that just by being creative and a little fun and you know having guys like David write lyrics and and my wife singing and and, and me trying to like direct and put it together like that has created this sort of momentum to donate you know what's looking to be somewhere between i'm guessing five and ten thousand maybe i don't know maybe five at least five and seventy five hundred to saint jude's a great cause so i think it's really cool that we can all kind of be a part of that so i'm I'm very grateful totally i mean we have fun we talk about golf we bet on golf if we can somehow turn that into something good even just a little bit good right that's that's a little bit above that that uh that we'd like to do right i mean more than just having mm-hmm. fun with golf but we'll still have fun with golf too but do a little good while while we're there if we can. And while you're there and while you go to see his page and look at it, feel free to hit the like button. Give him right a follow. Now. Feel free. You can hit the like button on the show. Give us a follow. Uh, totally appreciate it. And then we're going to give you guys our draft. And we're going to give you all the winning picks. And one's going to make money. And then you'll have even more money. Donate back to St. Jude. So everybody wins. Everybody's helping everybody. It's a beautiful thing. Before we dive into it, Spence, can you give us a chorus breakdown for this week? 
Sure. So you're going to hear a plethora of takes this week regarding TPC Southwind, but I'm building my model under the assumption that yes, this is a T to green test, but it's done so in a fashion that heightens approach play because of the heavy reduction totals we get in accuracy off the T and GIR percentage. I believe that, that, that the reduced rates that you get in those two metrics almost create this weird dichotomy where because the field is missing so many fairways as a whole, there becomes this inability to differentiate yourself much from the pack in those areas. So a similar sentiment can be said that even though the field hits 6% fewer greens in regulation, the up and down percentages are relatively simple for most tour pros. That puts us in a spot where one, most of the actual damage comes into play if you find the 11 water hazards on the course. Or two, there will be a lot of par totals posted if you don't take advantage of your irons, but still avoid the massive trouble off the tee. Over 65% of approach shots take place from 125 to 200 yards. Like most weeks, I reweighed my metrics for every attempt, but the brunt of my calculation came there. And then the most critical factor for me was that recalculated tee to green total since eight of the past 10 winners led the field in that area. Uh, I just did it in a fashion that overly emphasized iron proximity from the raw data that I had, but... I started my model with that 30% weighted tee to green. You know, I don't want to get overly technical because it'll make it too confusing of a show, but 63% of that number did come from the approach stats that I just mentioned. I also did an additional 15% on strokes gain tee to green at only TPC tracks. That was run as basic as possible since I was more concerned with how someone has performed on those layouts in the past. I did 15% on opportunities gained from proximity plus chances to make the putt. That's a glorified way of saying I'm looking for all opportunities created and then hoping to find who will be able to create the most birdie looks after combining the percentage with the sheer number of looks that those players get. That's a very convoluted answer, obviously, but it's just opportunities plus the likelihood that somebody makes the putt. I did stroke skin total on Bermuda for 12.5%. That took on an entire encapsulation of all Bermuda metrics. Weighted par four for 15% and then ball striking for my final 15%. I took distance plus good drive percentage to get a total driving number there and then took total driving and equally added it to GAR percentage to get that ball striking number. So I know that's a very complex breakdown, but I'm essentially looking for golfers that will create extra opportunities with their irons. And then all those other metrics metrics that I talked about, like finding fairways or how someone performs on Bermuda got added into the mix as a secondary factor from there. I love it. That is huge. Listen back. Make sure you're prepared before you're picking your golfers this week. That's certainly going to be a big help in helping you handicap uh, finding your edge. Now, without further ado, we are ready to launch the first playoff draft. Um, I'm going to go ahead and pull up our draft board here to get us started uh, with the first overall pick tonight. Spencer, you're on the clock. So the last time I was in this position where I was deciding between two players, I ended up taking Sung Yul Nel. So I want to <laughs> avoid that decision right now because I am stuck between two players and it's a difficult decision for a couple reasons. And I know if I take one player, there's a 0% chance I get the other guy. And then if I go the other route, I still might not get the other guy, but it's it's a spot right now where I don't really know what to do. And and like I said, to start the show, I considered giving Sierra Joel the number one pick and just, you know, hopefully they took somebody else. And even if they didn't, I would just take the second of the two options, but I guess I'm going to take the player that's the most popular in the field this week, which is going to be Will Zalatoris at 9,500. There is not a statistic that I ran where he grades outside of the top eight for me. And when I'm talking about opportunities gained from proximity, plus chances to make the putt, 
I think Zalatoris is the player that sees the biggest increase from that. So we know on difficult courses, one of the reasons why he finds success is because you don't need to make as many birdies to find yourself running up the leaderboard. And that's why in these birdie fests, sometimes the putts don't drop for him. But when you take the opportunities gained, plus the chances he makes the putt, he is fifth overall in this field for me. So yes, he's creating more opportunities than everybody else. No, he's not necessarily making them, but he is 39 spots better on this particular green complex than what I would get from a baseline total from him when it comes to strokes gain putting. So if I believe that he is going to be able to get you know, we'll call it an artificial boost on Bermuda or just because he has a Bermuda surface here that's a little bit quicker. And we already know he's going to be creating more opportunities than the rest of the pack. This might be where he gets his first win. And yes, at 70, 17%, <clears throat> he's going to be very popular, but I'm going to go that route. I'm going to hope the other player falls to me. And if it doesn't, then, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll go from there and try to figure out a different route with it. But Zalatoris, number one pick for me. I am a little conflicted here. I mean, I, I I don't mind that pick. Joel, do you have any opinions on Will Zalatoris, strong or or not? I I agree with a lot of what Spencer said. I think this course suits him well. It should shape up well for him. Um, depending what that final ownership looks like, I might go away if the ownership sure. gets too high. I don't think he's a lock. I think his course makes a lot of sense. I think the price is really fair. So there's a lot of reasons to like him. But if he's going to be the highest owned guy – I probably won't fade him, but I'll probably go underweight at that point. I think that's a very fair way to approach this. And he's number one on my model. And this is where I've been conflicted on what exactly I want to do. And, you know, the ownership is condensing in a lot of the same spots this week. And I think you're going to have to eat some ownership in spots. I think you can get different in other areas with it. But with him being number one in my model, I'm going to trust that data and just go overweight with it. But I certainly understand the alternative there to where, the ownership is way too high for a guy who, I mean, if you want to get technical with it, he's an underdog in most of his offshore matchups. He's an underdog to Matthew Fitzpatrick. Um, you know, there's a couple other guys he's an underdog to also. So this is me like fully trusting my numbers here, which it, sometimes it'll backfire. But um, yeah, it, it's it's a weird spot where you can kind of go either way with it. Fair enough. All right. So uh, a couple of quick comments. Um, Steven and David were big on two very like low end players last week, as everybody recalls. Uh, Steven had it in his article, his ownership article, which everybody should know comes out Wednesday afternoon and always has picks in it. And his his frisky biscuit, I think that's what he calls it, is is on a pace that is really kind of unbelievable. He had yeah. Justin Lauer. And of course, Yannick Paul was the big play, one of the big plays from uh, David last week. So great stuff from them. Their articles come out tomorrow. Spencer, your article comes out when? I, I will probably have it out tomorrow also. Awesome. So we have a lot of content coming at you tomorrow. Um, and uh, somebody asked how many retweets the uh, the tweet for St. Jude that I put up has. It's 315. If you hadn't already got, gotten to my page, go uh, check it out. Make it 316 and and then some. So, uh, you know, I'm debating between two guys, but I'm going to I'm I prefer the value guy here, even though, man, his history is interesting. But he is so red hot. I can't believe I'm doing this. We have graduated to a place where my number one pick is Tony Fee now at 9700. So again, I can't believe I'm doing it, but he comes in with, I mean, you know, Spencer mentioned T to green, T to green last 24 rounds. He's, he's number one, I believe it. I'm not looking at my metrics right now. Um, he's just been, even if you look at the weighted T to green, I think he's number two behind a certain someone that's probably going to get drafted really soon. I, I just, I love his recent form. His form here hasn't been great. 
not super concerned about it, although I wish I had seen a top 20 in there. Uh, with that said, there's nobody hotter. There's maybe arguably one other player from a ball striking standpoint that's hotter than Tony Finau, but um, I'll take second place there. So give me Tony. Well, I mean, you're clearly taking a guy who just knows how to win, right? Just a straight winner, just constantly gets wins. On t- I mean, that's the narrative for Tony Finau, right? Just, <laughs> just a winner. He just wins. So that's yep. a good pick. Yep, absolutely. Yeah. All right. The audience is already um, is already nominating here. Let's see. While we're waiting, we have three nominations in, but no seconds. While we're waiting, Spencer, how do you feel about Tony Finau in general? I, I like Finau. I, I don't love the ownership. And it's to me, it's one of those decisions to where your two most popular players in that range will be Finau and Zalatoris. Mm-hmm. I yeah. kind of have stuck my flag into the sand to where I'm going to take Zalatoris. Now, Finau seventh for me overall. I mean, you have two top 10 players. It's very hard to differentiate between the two, but... You can't play everybody, and with me already being willing to eat the Zalatoris ownership, I don't think I can just start rolling out lineups that are, you know, Zalatoris Finau starts. I think that that's going to be not the route that's going to be advantageous with it. So it's more of just I like Zalatoris so much that Finau goes to the side, but I don't have a problem with him if anybody does want to start a lineup or, you know, have him be the second man into it. Fair enough. Well, the audience has already picked. It's Scotty Scheffler. Uh, the second nomination was Scotty, but nobody's ever called Scott Stallings uh, Scotty Stallings. So I'm going to assume that Scotty Scheffler for the audience. Um, I, I w- he was one of three guys I was considering for my Same. first overall pick. Uh, I like uh, I like everything about Scotty Scheffler. The putter has certainly let him down, but he, it's been a couple of weeks, and we know Scotty Scheffler can be amazing with the putter. So uh, I think Scotty's a great play. I'm, I'm going to say this, and this is going to contradict what I just did, and this is very unfortunate. I tried to play a game theory thing here to where I thought who would be most likely to get back to me. And I'm going to be honest, if it got to Joel's pick, I had a trade ready for him to move up to that last pick. I was going to give my second and the third for that first pick, and we'll figure out whatever the other just so we all have six players there. But Scotty Scheffler is going to win this tournament, in my opinion. I think that he is the player who's going to win. I love it. I love uh, it. Unfortunately, you know, now I've kind of created a really awkward build for myself. But, um, yeah, I, I love the Scheffler pick. Mm-hmm. Me too. Well, I like Scheffler. Um, I'm going to go back-to-back weeks with taking the winner first here, and that's going to be Justin Thomas. Um I, you know, the few things about Justin Thomas, obviously he's a great golfer, right? You can, you're, we're splitting hairs with these top five or six guys. They're all amazing. Uh, the ball striking, everything like that. But the biggest thing is Justin Thomas tends to rise to the occasion in these playoffs. He usually plays better. You know, he usually gets you some really good finishes here. I mean, just looking back last year, even on this uh, tournament, he's, you know, tied for fourth. He's got, in, you know, in the last five years, he's got three top tens. Um and to get him, you know, there's how many guys? Four, five guys priced ahead of him. So it'd be not even, you know, almost not. A, I'm not going to say it's a discount. He's still over 10K. But the fact that he's five guys down and you get a little bit of savings by, by going with him, I think that's certainly a reasonable price. But now with him in there, you kept, I have to be a little bit more strategic in terms of balancing out the rest of my lineup. I, I, I do want to be as balanced as I can. Um and I just really like the price of Shane Lowry. You know, at 8,300, mm-hmm. they really came down on him here. Obviously, he's going to need to make some putts to compete this week. But, you know, his ball striking has been there. His ball striking has, has been pretty good. He just has really faltered with the putter as of recent. If he can turn that putter around, make some putts this week, he can certainly compete above what his price level is this week. Yeah, pretty good history here as well. 
So I, that price, 8,300, it's staggering, right? I mean, you it, like, I, I mean, I, I don't know, I, Spencer, I think in your model, you kind of have what you'd think their price would be. I just not, not like kind of ballparking it. I would think if you put Lowry at 8,900 or at least 8,700, that would make sense. Now, of course, that lends itself to people, to him being popular, obviously, because he's a low price. But uh, Spencer, what, what would you have him actually priced at? Uh, 8,900 would be proper for my Got him. Is that on your model, like the free model that that people that you put out? It's not, but uh, there's I only, a filter on there where you can play around with it a little bit. I, I only asked because I didn't want people to think I looked at yours and and like guessed at the number. So I'm just saying. All right, cool. Yeah, I, I like the Lowry pick a lot. The only thing, and I, and I said this at the Open Championship with Justin Thomas, that would worry me is I still think he's in a spot that the health might not be back yet. So. He forced that open championship appearance, in my opinion. I, I don't know if he's ever been on record saying that, but obviously, like the ball striking didn't look good for him. And now he's in a spot where we're competing for tens of millions of dollars for the FedEx Cup playoffs. I don't know where the health is. We haven't seen him since the open championship. Uh, he's number one in my model for upside. So that part I love about it. And we know that he likes this course. He's won here before, but I. Uh, I don't know, Joel. Health concern, people that withdraw for you in lineups, Justin Thomas, I, this is starting to have a bad taste to it already. You, you're, you're making me nervous. I was, I and mean, probably by fault, I was under the assumption he took some time off. And you might be right. And assuming he's healthy, but I don't know if he's healthy. I'm just assuming that time off got him healthy, but what the heck do I know? I, you're probably right. I'm probably jinxing him by drafting him, and now he's going to get hurt. So sorry, Justin, if that comes to fruition. Well, if you're lucky, he only like he'll get hurt day two, so you'll at least get some points out of it, <laughs> if you're lucky. Um, all right, so Scott Stallings is the pick from the audience. Uh, there's really not much of an argument against Scott Stallings, although I'm assuming at that price his ownership is relatively high at 7,100. He has good history here. His recent history is great. His his strokes gain metrics are great. I assume Spencer he rates out pretty great in your model, but maybe you could tell us. He's a value for me at 7,100. So he's 30th overall, which would be 17 spots um, better than what the price is. But yeah, he's about 13% for me right now, which so you're going to have negative leverage based off of that. But I don't mind stallings. You know, I think we always say this and we're none of us. I know all three of us are not a fan of that low $7,000 chalk, but I, I think stallings is certainly a fine player that you can fit into a build if you get unique in other spots. There's a plethora of ways to get different up top with it. So uh, it's going to come down to roster construction. There's probably players I like a little bit more than Stallings, but um, anytime a player's top 30 for me, I'm at least willing to dive and make a deeper look into it. Um, well, looks like I just got gifted Roy McElroy. Yeah. So I know that's two relatively expensive guys, but I'm totally cool with it because I don't mind doing a star. I'm sure most people would say this. They don't mind doing stars and scrubs. Although I think Joel's word of caution with the field being stronger lends itself to maybe building some balanced lineups as well, because maybe some of these scrubs are just outmatched in this particular tournament. But I get to start with Tony Finau and Roy McElroy. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm doing right now, right here on the PGA DraftCast for the FedEx St. Jude. I am guaranteeing victory. We are two picks in, and I am guaranteeing victory from Team Sia. You heard it here first and last, and I'll see you next week. In That's fact, I'm not even going to pick – Joel, I'm not even going to pick four more players. I'm actually going to pick Everybody else, feel free. Well, you're used to the audience picking most of your players for you, so that, that'll work out for that. It's true. It's true. Yeah, like, I mean, to, to be honest, and this was my biggest concern with going with Zalatoris, number one, and this is exactly the reason why I didn't want to do this because, to me, it's Rory, Zalatoris, Scheffler, 
I wanted two of those three guys. I obviously with the way things played out, I could have gone Zalatoris and Rory and I like this lineup a lot more than however I play it out at this point. I don't really know what I want to do because a lot of the guys at the top and I don't want to talk too much about it. I mean, I guess everybody has a high price player and sure you could go two high price guys at the top, but let's talk a little strategy for a second. And I don't want to like derail the show with this, but like Cameron Smith, John Rom, do either of you two have any interest in playing those two? Cause I do not. Zero. And in fact, of the seven guys that are 10 K or more, and I've, I've been on record saying this, listen, we are splitting hairs. So I'm not saying they're terrible plays, but when I look at the other five guys in the 10 K range, I just like them so much more. Like every single one, Xander, Cantley, you name it. Cam Smith and John Rahm, I, knowing that those other five guys are there, I just can't get around to those, to those guys in particular. And that's what makes this difficult right now. And I was telling Joel this before we started the show and, and particularly on this show, because we have to make decisions. And once Rory's off the board or once Scheffler's off the board, I can't just say, okay, we're just kidding. I want to throw Scheffler into my lineup now. And both of us play Scheffler with it. Like that's not what ends up taking place. So a lot of the plays like, yeah, I've made this decision where Zalatoris has to be my pick, but I don't really know where to go from there because to me, the two big players at the top that you probably want are Scheffler and McElroy. And then you can make some arguments about the other three from there. And then I think there is a downgrade from Cameron Smith to, um, and I guess John Rom with it, but it's, it's a hard player pool to fill out. And I'm saying all of that because I really don't know what to do right now. I'm kind of just uh, trying to give myself time to figure out where I want to go with this pick. Well, you got two to make. Um, I think you could go with um, Charles Howard, the third. Maybe him and Abraham answer. Just a thought. This is like the grossest lineup of ownership that I've ever created before. Like that's the problem is I'm just, I have all the most popular players, but they're probably two of my next best values. Um, Hear me out. Okay. Day, not a lot of ownership. <laughs> true. There's that not. True. Um, and he's cheap. <laughs> he is cheap. No. So if I open up some ownership, I can get to him, but you know what? Let, let's do this. I will keep this as open as I possibly can for the time being. And these are two players that I actually have outright bets on. So even though, yes, they're popular and this wasn't the route I was planning on going in, I kind of already hate my lineup because this is this is cash game type build to the max here. But with the first pick, I will take Sungjae Im at 8,500. I really like where Sungjae's ball striking is right now. I know he gained strokes putting, but he lost putting on Sunday when it mattered most for him. I thought he should have won that tournament. Then I like Sungjae on Bermuda. And then I'm going to go with Chalk once again. And I'm going to take Corey Connors at 7,600. Um, you know, top 16 in my model, no matter how I ran it. I know the course history here hasn't exactly been perfect. He does have three top 36s during the three years of this being a WGC, which um, I mean, those are no cut tournaments at the time. And this year we do have a cut with it, but I'm going to go those two. And I really don't like this build and maybe see a, you know, declaration that he's going to win. This might be coming a little bit more true with every single pick I make here. Well, I'm in a tough spot right now because I don't really know who I want to pick either. I'm just checking on one thing. So while I'm checking, oh, Corey Connors. Interesting. So Joel, tell me about Corey Connors while I stall. I actually, I like Corey Connors a lot. I think that's a really good pick. I think that's the type of play I like in a guy who like maybe disappointed a little recently. People are not coming off him, but 
he came way back. Like, that's the price you play Corey Connors, right? When he went up to 9,600 and he was the favorite, like, that's not as enticing. Now Corey Connors is this value golfer where he came up a disappointing week, so the ownership is like, this is the time where Corey Connors is a good play. I don't like Corey Connors where the expectations are high. So for that as a value play, I think he's a really good play. Yeah, I think he's a really good stylistic fit here. Like just looking at my model, he's top 10 in this field for good drive percentage on difficult hit fairways, GIR percentage, ball striking, stroke skin off the tee. You kind of expect him to, and you can honestly say this about all three of my guys right now, they're ball strikers that if putting is reduced here, you know, and they could just be neutral, they have a chance to win the tournament like Justin Thomas did. And that's not the route I'm taking, but find me guys that can create opportunities. And I know those three that I have at least can create opportunities. I'm just paying a lot of ownership to get it done. So I'm going to have to really go stars and scrubs here, which is fine. And I really want to open up salary. So there's two guys in the 6K range that I'm debating between. One of their metrics looks better than the others, but the other's course history is better than, than, than the first person. So I'm going to go with a guy that I've kind of been on the last few weeks. Listen, this is a, a course where you want a guy in the fairway, and I think that's what this guy's going to do. He started to come on. like he's, he's been bad this entire year until recently. The metrics are okay, but this is why he's 6,200. It's James Hahn. So again, I'm just I'm going with a, a boring golfer who's who's heating up for whatever reason. The metrics are okay. The putter's okay. Off the tee has been good. The approach has been you know less than average. Around the green, less than average. But I just I like how James Hahn is playing. And and because I have to open up some salary, uh, I'm, I'm instead of going with a high 6K guy, I really want to open up salary. And I don't think there's a lot of difference between James Hahn and some of these guys in the high sixes. Sure. I think that makes sense. Um, not that I'm on James Hahn. I, I, I'm not this week, but I think that the sentiment of what you just said makes a lot of sense. And if there is somebody that you want up, you know, top, not up top, but more in that like $8,000 range, for example, you've opened up the salary now to where you can get to them. Mm -hmm. Right. All right, audience, it's time to start nominating. And for the record, if you haven't already hit the like button, which based on the number of viewers and the number of likes, I know some of you haven't, please go ahead and hit the like button. But uh, we also need nominations, right? It's the audience pick. So audience, if you're able to build a roster with six golfers that have Scott in their name, I'm willing to give you 10 bonus points, whatever you're fine. <laughs> That's true. Okay. So we got one nomination here. Let's keep them rolling in. Thank you, Joshua. Um, yeah. Is there an all Scott lineup that you can make? Probably not. I'll include Adam Scott. That counts. Yeah, that absolutely. Yeah. You know, there's only four. There's four. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's the other? Scott Piercy. Piercy, okay. Yeah. I think people would be surprised that Scott Piercy's in this tournament. Did he qualify or did he win a tournament? He didn't win a tournament. He qualified. qualified. I don't know how. I mean, I guess when you come fourth at the 3M, 27th oh. at the Wyndham, that helps. And there 21st at the RBC. He kind of has some random middle-end results there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot of nominations in, but we don't have any seconds yet. We have two, three, four, five, six guys that have been nominated, but nobody wants to second either of these guys this point you should probably just buckle up and second one of the guys that you kind of like justin bailey i'm talking to you ivan steven david uh yeah david that's not helpful all right i'm gonna <laughs> I, i'm gonna be guys i'm gonna pick four guys and girls i'm gonna pick for you one of these six guys if you guys don't um get on the ball here we've got Six guys that are there we go thank you zach zach is just one of the mvps of this shows i think of this show I'm just saying, last week he was great, even though he was super negative. He was right. And now we have a second, finally. Thank you, audience. Emiliano Grillo, who I really like, actually, who's been really coming on. The ball striking kind of seems back. The putting 
I'm not looking at the metrics right now, but from what I recall, the putting has actually kind of rebounded from what Grillo has always been, team no putt. Uh, how do we feel about this pick, Spencer? I, I'm fine with Grillo. I, like, oh, you hate him? Okay. No, 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 uh, Joel. No, 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 no. He's 23rd <laughs> in my model, but you know, it's once again that $7,000 chalk that the audience keeps finding themselves in over and mm -hmm. over again in this contest that I've noticed. Like, mm -hmm. and we talk about it all the time now. I don't know what Grio's upside is. I know he has had a couple high-end results recently, but it's the same thing. And I fell into this trap a little bit until I got bailed out at the end with Russell Knox. It's these guys that like the ball striking looks really good on paper, but the results never quite give you the result that you exactly want with it. So I like Grio. I worry about the ownership. If he was 3% owned, sign me up. If he's going to be 8 to 10% owned, I have mm. some concerns with it, but uh, it's just an ownership game is what it comes down to. My model likes him a lot from like, every other standpoint with it. If I just look at the price tag. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. So we are on Joel with back-to-back -back picks. All right. Well, I got my first pick locked in. I'm still on the fence on my second, but my first pick is my favorite value play on the board. Um, I'm going to go under the seven K price tag and I'm going to go with Taylor Moore. Love what I've seen from him in two top tens in his last two outings. And, and fairness in way weaker fields than he's going to get this week. But you know, he doesn't need the top 10 this week. I think at his price, if I can get a top 20, even 20th from around there, I think that's plenty, especially with Thomas and, and Laura, I can get more guys up top. So I just love his, his all-around game has looked really strong recently. And to, to get a guy playing that well at this, at this price, I think is just a really good deal for me. And then I'm going to pair him with, and, and feel free to comment on that pick while I think about that. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm too busy. Uh, I, I think that's a good upside play. Like of all the guys in that 6K range, he's actually proven more often than not that he can be in the top 10, maybe even the top five, like down the stretch of a Sunday. And I think that speaks to, obviously it speaks to his upside and it certainly speaks to his upside relative to a lot of the guys that are in that range. So I, I, I think it's a fine pick. The $6,000 range gets very weak, very quickly. Like there's, and I, it's to your point, Joel with it. There's only so many options that I actually want to go down to and play in that range. Uh, there's one player in particular that I do kind of like this week, but you know, it's just an ownership game. It's the same thing that I kind of said with Grio. If he's going to be eight to 10% owned and more probably go elsewhere with it. If he's going to be sub 5%, I think it's a good price for him. All right. And now I do have my next pick. Um, I'm going to go with a guy who's really come on another guy who's just really hot as of late really come on in Russell Henley. I'm staying under 8K here. He's been one of the top guys in my model. He's got, you know, fifth at the Wyndham last week, tenth at the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, he's just really been coming on strong. I think this should this is another course that should suit him. And for a guy who's been really struggling with the putter, if you know if that gets neutralized this week, then he should he should have a really strong week. Yeah, it's it's very similar sentiment, Joel, to what you said with Corey Connors. Now you've put Henley in this range to where you don't need him to necessarily win this tournament. And at $7,800, you know, get a top 10, 15 finish. And all of a sudden it looks really nice from that. So uh, I, my model really likes Henley from an upside perspective. I know that's a completely different conversation to be had because it doesn't seem like he can actually close some of these events when he gets close lately. But I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see him on the first page of the leaderboard come Sunday. All right. I like it. We're waiting for nominations. It looks like we have a couple, at least one in. There's two. There's three. Need a second on one of these guys. Let's see here. 
How do we feel about Mullinax? No table talk, Zach. And Zach did clarify he wasn't super negative last week. It was Brent, according to him. So throwing Brent under the bus, but you might be right. So my apologies. All right, we got uh, no seconds here. I got a lot of nominations in here. I don't want to say them out. Should I say them out loud? I mean, we can all see them, right? I mean, Aaron Wise, Victor Hovland, Matt Fitzpatrick, Mark Hubbard, Sam Burns, but we don't have a second for any of those guys. Anybody want to give a second? There we go. Aaron Wise, I love that pick. Edward. Aaron Wise, Joel. Yeah, well, nice. Man, Joel's on a roll today. Uh, Aaron Wise, um, Joel, what do you think? No, I meant that, actually. I, I like Wise. Um, you know, what, what the re, one of the main reasons I like him is he struggled last week on approach, which is, like, that's his thing. So, like, if you assume he'll get that right this week, like, if he found some consistency where the short game and the putter, that's where you usually are like, I don't know, that's where you question him. And so, you know, I think if he puts it together and he finds his bread and butter and strikes the ball well this week, I think he can certainly give you a top 15. I was wrong. It's Matt Fitzpatrick. Oh, that, was their, oh. that was their nomination. They, they literally came in at the same time, but it was Matt Fitzpatrick got in there right before Ed. Sorry, Ed, but Brian got in there with Fitzy. I probably didn't read it as Fitzpatrick and I just went and Edward's such a great guy. I just, I, I give him priority, but that is, that is not the right thing to do. So it is in fact, Matt Fitzpatrick Spencer. How do we feel about Matt Fitzpatrick? I said this in my article and it's, it's funny because my model never likes Matthew Fitzpatrick. I'm going to go against my model this week and say Fitzpatrick's probably one of the better plays on the board. Uh, there's, there's a lot to like about him. When you look at the metrics, we know at this course, he has two top six finishes for the record. I also like the Aaron wise pick. Um, that was a route I am considering and still considering. So, I mean, see if you want to take wise before I get there, you probably would do me either a service or a disservice, depending on what route I actually want to go. We'll see if I can bluff you here a little bit here, but, um, no, I, I, I like Fitzpatrick. Um, how about I just take the audience's pick? I, I I have one guy that I was gonna take, but I'd rather just get the audience mad at me. I mean, yeah, I likewise. I kind of want to free up a little bit more salary right now, but I guess I can do that with my next pick. All right, audience. Sorry, but Aaron Wise for Team Sia. Let's go. And we already talked about him, right? We like him. Sorry, audience, you weren't getting him anyway, for the record. I would have either gotten him with my next pick or Spencer would have taken him. Now, Spencer, you have back-to-back picks. I, I, like, I, should, I, I really do like the Weiss choice. I have an outright on him. I have a top 40 wager on him. I don't know if that's the route I was going to go or not. Um, it was certainly within my range of outcomes that I was considering. But, oh, man. Oh, this is great. I love that. I like nobody's really super mad at me for stealing that pick. That was it. That was a that was an outright steal, by the way. I, I I literally was going with another guy, but I'm like, you know what? That is kind of a wise choice. I'm going to go ahead and uh, fits it fits within my build. Now I can go with that lower end guy and probably fit in a an 8K guy. All right, or, this is what I am going to do. Um, oh man. <laughs> All right, with the first pick, and this is just creating a, a can of worms here, I will take Patrick Cantlay. He would probably be my third choice up in the $10,000 range behind Scheffler and McElroy. Uh, let me see with what that leaves me, and then I will make the next choice. So $7,050. Um, wasn't planning on taking this player because of the ownership, and you know the audience can feel free to mentioned that I have just said that guys like Grio and Stallings could be low $7,000 chalk. That is bad. I might be walking into the same exact trap here. 
I will take Brendan Steele at 7,000. I don't like the ownership. I really like where the metrics are going in this direction right now. We know he's a good ball striker. If he can get any semblance of the putter going, I do think he can work his way up the leaderboard. So uh, this isn't my favorite build I've ever had. There's a lot of ownership. There's a, a bunch of players that are probably not on the first choice that I would be making here, but I, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure out the last pick from there. All right. I'm going to be quick with mine. I like this guy for a couple of different reasons. One, he just gains a ton of strokes on this particular course. His history reflects that. Granted, that's not always against the best competition, but this guy, like top sixes, like you read about. And um, even if you even if you put some super high powered guys at the top that weren't in this tournament before, this guy tops 25, even top 30. I'm, I'm, I'm paying off his price. Most likely it's Chez Reedy at 7,100. It seems like kind of like a gimme play, and I understand he's probably going to be popular. Uh, I'm not looking at numbers, Spencer. I'm assuming he's right under Scott Stallings, maybe 11% instead of Stallings 13. Yeah. So if we're well, if we're looking at like, let's start with Stallings and go down to some of the popular players. 12.8 mm-hmm. Stallings, 9.3 Revi, 7.8 mm-hmm. Grio, 10% Steel. Those are the four guys that are standing out from the mix. And then I guess if you want to move up a little bit, it would be like the Kirks and the Mitos that are pushing about 10%. Gotcha. All right. All right, we already got. Um, oh, Joel, what were you gonna say? Sorry, I was just gonna say I was. Pl- I didn't think you would get taken. I was planning to take Reby with my last pick. Mm-hmm. I like Reby too for all the reasons you said. Just a great history here. Uh, he's you know, really considered he's probably one of the best fairway finders on tour. Mm-hmm. Um, and the same thing you say. He doesn't necessarily need to get a top ten. I don't think he will. But a top twenty at this price, and you get you know the winner and, and the rest of your top five in your lineup. That's enough, and, and he'll he can get you there. I think so. I for like sure. I like the pick. For sure. All right. It looks like Colin Morikawa is the audience pick nominated by David Bolesky and Joshua Ray. So, oh, and Zach uh, chimes in with a third vote on Morikawa. So Morikawa is definitely the pick. What does that leave them? 6,600? Is that what I see? Yeah. All right. And uh, so it's on Joel. Joel, you got back-to-back picks here. All right. So that, you know, a, my, a bunch of the guys I was planning on taking all just wins. I'm rerouting, but I got it. I'm under control here. I've already reworked who I'm taking, I think. Just got to check one thing. If I do it this way, yeah, I really, really just needed more color. You guys really messed that up for me. But we can survive this. Okay, so. Uh, okay, I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to go back to the well. I'm going to go with Tom Kim. The guy's been playing just unreal. Um, I you know, No reason not to play him again. Maybe you know, there has been a trend. I'm going to hope that I'm going to nail it. There's been a lot of guys winning back-to-back tournaments this year. So he won last week. Maybe that trend continues this year. Again, he obviously doesn't even have to win. The ownership's going to be high on him, obviously. And, you know, he did gain 12 strokes putting last week, which is obviously um, aggressive. And I don't expect him to gain 12 strokes putting this week. But his ball striking numbers were there, too. He was a really good ball striker. And that's the part I do expect to carry over. So I think I'm getting a really good number for him here. And then to round out the roster, uh, let's see. We are going to go with – ooh, really making the numbers work is tough. But, yeah, we're going to go with Sam Burns. Uh, Sam Burns is a guy who has a lot of upside. He, he's a GPP play. I do think, you know, he can hurt you, uh, you know, in terms of he's a miscut potential. But if he finds a hot putter, you know, he's, he's capable of, of – getting super hot with his irons, you know, he can certainly win the tournament too. So in terms of having a guy with a lot of upside, I think Sam Burns definitely checks that box for sure. 
Yeah, Joel, I think you took two highly volatile players for this tournament that also have proven success that they can win tournaments on tour. So, um, I mean, there, there, there is a player I want to mention at the end that I do like that I don't think anybody's can afford to take, but uh, we can talk about that at the end. Well, the audience has already picked. There's a guy I really like that I thought I was going to be able to afford, by the way, and I can't. I'm pretty upset about it. But uh, Trey Mullinax looks to be the pick of the audience. He's certainly coming on. Anybody got any op opinions on uh, Mullinax? I don't love Mullinax this week myself. I think uh, he might struggle to find fairways, which is mm -hmm. going to be critical. Um, and I think he's a type of guy that looks a little bit better in the watered-down fields than a, one like this, I think. He might struggle, but I could be wrong. I mean, I'll, I'm rooting for you guys, but it's not yeah. my player pool. That's an interesting thing that he has said, Joel, because I was going to mention that. So he's played this tournament in 2018 and 2017, and that would be during the watered down fields. He came sixth and 18th. The current metrics look really good for him right now. I, I don't hate it. I mean, as a, as a mid $6,000 play, there's only so many options that probably make sense down there. Like, I would say Martin Laird, uh, Matthew Neesmith, maybe those would be my two preferred choices, but Molinex would be in that next mix um, after those two. All right. So it's on me, and I'm trying to find out if this guy has been taken. It doesn't look like he has. He's a little chalky, and I have a lot of uh, chalk on my team, but I don't think I want to pass up the course history here. The play lately has been pretty good, uh, not as good as I wanted it to be last week because I had a lot of them. I was, I really, really, really wanted Hideki, who has not been drafted and looks like will not be drafted. I thought I would have about 8,400 left, and I don't. So I have to go down to someone like Billy Horschel or Neiman or Terrell Hatton. I'm very tempted to take Terrell Hatton, but I think instead – I'm going to go with Billy Horschel and hope for a better performance this week uh, relative to last week. I, I know that, once again, this is never the answer of like 100%. It's correct with it. I do know Horschel versus Hatton is a head-to-head -head matchup at Offshore Books. I was looking at it earlier. I believe Horschel, I want to say, is minus 130, minus 135, oh. minus 140. So it was a substantial enough favorite to at least note Um I've talked, I have not filmed better golf pod yet. I do know that Nick likes Terrell Hatton this week. Mm -hmm. uh, so you can tune into that show. I'm sure I'll get some extra thoughts from him there. But I, between the two, I, I would probably take Horschel myself. All right. Love it. All right, guys, I will wrap us up. And the player that I wanted to mention, and I'd like to hear both of your thoughts on it. I think he's probably, I mean, I guess you could say Xander would be the player that's one of the more surprising ones. But at least as if we exclude Xander from the mix, the player that's the highest on my model that was not taken, Jordan Spieth. Do you guys have any thoughts on Spieth? I like Spieth quite a bit. Yeah. In fact, I, I'm looking at Spieth in a matchup right now. I actually have to leave the show in like two minutes, but I'm, I'm looking at my scheduling. I, I completely messed it up, so I apologize to everybody on that. Uh, Spieth minus 120 over Burns, I kind of like. That's on DraftKings. I, uh, I think Spieth could be a, a big-time surprise in this tournament. I know like, like he's obviously a big name, but um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won this tournament. Same here. I, I think there's upside with speed. So I, I like that play that instead of taking Cantley, it was going to be a speed route that I was considering. It just didn't work out that way. I guess with my final pick, um, it's less than 5% ownership just because the form seems to have turned around a little bit in a wrong direction with a missed cut at the rocket mortgage and the 61st at the Wyndham. Uh, I'm going to continue to trust my long-term numbers on him. I don't know how much I love this, but I'll take Mark Hubbard at 6,900. Which by yeah. the way, you have to give me credit. Every single week, no matter where Jason Day is on that final pick, 
I put them right in that little proximity threshold to where if I decide to do it, I always give myself the out. <laughs> hey, Joel, before we do um, the players that didn't get drafted, do you mind if I do my outrights and my first round leaders real quick? Yes, please do. And I'll take it off this screen so we can go um, we can go full screen here. Oh, whoops. I, I pressed the wrong button, but okay, now I'm taking it off this screen. Um, yeah, sorry about that. Scheduling error on my part. I, I do have to roll, but let me just roll out. I don't think I'm going to change my first round leader. So th these, these should be good. One second. Um, the outrights are Scotty Scheffler, 25 to 1, Tony Finau, 30 to 1, Speed 35, Decky 40. First round leaders, Scotty, 25 to 1, Zal. Zalatoris 30 to 1, Decky 40 to 1, Mito 80 to 1, and a couple long shots, Aaron Rye and KH Lee at 100 to 1. There you have it. I got a roll, guys. Thank you so much. It was a great show. I'm going to win. It's a lock. Let's go. Thank you. See ya. We're not done yet. Stay with us. We got another five or six minutes to wrap up the show. Before we, Spence and I, dive into our, our outrights and first round leaders. Uh, let us know what team you thought was the best. Who you think is going to win? I know Sia thinks his team is, but we all know the truth. Um, the power rankings say uh, the last two winners are still on the show right now, so we'll see where that goes. Uh, but, yeah, let us know whose team you like the most. We're going to drop it in Twitter as well. Put a comment in there. While you're at it, give us a follow. Hit the like button. We're going to quickly go through. I know, Spence, you mentioned a couple guys, but guys you were most surprised did not get drafted. Is there anyone else you felt like uh, there might have been a miss on? I'm disappointed that Spieth didn't get taken. Um, the other guy that I'll throw out there, which I do see his ownership picking up a little bit recently, and this is purely a GPP play, would be Victor Hovland. If I believe that there is a reduction, or at least an ease in around the green, guys like Morikawa and Hovland should see a boost in their production. And we're no, We know they're such great iron players that um, I wouldn't be shocked that, one, they hit a bunch of greens in regulation to begin with, and two, if they find problems, they're able to mitigate those issues easier than on a normal course. So those are probably the two scrolling through this. Like, I'm a little bit surprised, but not really, that Xander didn't get taken just because there's only four teams picking. There's only so many spots we can go up top, and we kind of all made our decisions to where Sia went with Rory, uh, you went with Justin Thomas. I wouldn't have necessarily gone with Cantlay, but – you know, when it was between Cantlay and Xander, I decided to take Zan uh, Cantlay between the two. Funny enough, the, the two guys I was going to mention are also Spieth and Hovland. So um, I think that tells you something. Those are guys that, you know, we're on and they make sense, especially for their price. To be different and not just say the same guys, I'm going to dive down to the 7K range. I think uh, Taylor Pendrith and Davis Riley are oh. both names that I think have upside, um, I think could be very unique in considering their value plays in the, in the 7K range. I just want to add the Pendrith really quickly. And I forget what site it's on. I think it was one, on one of the legal books. And it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, this is, is a correct way with it. But Pendrith was a favorite over a bunch of people in the $8,000 range. And I think that goes to show that he's probably underpriced at the end of the day. Agree. I mean, he's been really consistent. Again, I do want to highlight that it's been weaker fields. But at the end of the day, he's doing it every week. So, he's you know, consistently playing good golf. Uh, and again, at this price, you know, uh, top 20 is all you need. He doesn't need to win sure. the tournament. He doesn't need the top 10 even. So get you a 15th place, 12th place. You know, you, you, he's paying your, paying off his price tag. So, yeah. um, all right, let's go dive quickly into the first round leader market. Do you have any first round leader plays this week, Spence? Yeah, I do. I have uh, six for this tournament. And so the first one I'm going to give, 
Webb Simpson, 80 to one. This can be our little secret between all of us. Nobody needs to tell sticks picks that I'm taking Webb on this show. <laughs> Russell Henley, 50 to one. Harold Barner, the third, 75 to one. Sung JM, 40 to one. And then Aaron Wise and Corey Connor, 60 to one. I like it. I like it. And it's good. And you can tell the, the lower down you go, there's some like decent golfers that you can get a, a decent number on. Uh, my super one of my super big kind of Hail Marys for first round leader is Kirk Kitayama at 130 to one. He, he's been popping first round. Uh, you know, it, it's definitely a Hail Mary play. I wouldn't put more than a, a dollar or two, but in terms of someone who can, you know, make a bunch of putts and get hot for a day at 130 to one, I think he is someone that can do that. Um, and then in my, my more realistic realm, guys I like are uh, Sebastian Munoz and Taylor Moore at 90 to one. Uh, Alex Norin at 80 to one and Davis Riley at 75 to one. Uh, and then we'll go to the outright market before we wrap up for today. Spence, who are you looking at in the outright market? I kind of have a robust card this week. This is more players at the top than I normally take. So I took Scotty Scheffler at 18 to one. As I said, I think he ends up winning the tournament. Will Zalatoris at 28 to one. Sung J M 35 to one. Corey Connor, 65 to one. And then I grabbed Aaron Wise at 75 to one. That has moved more into the 70 to one range, maybe a little bit lower at some books there, but shop around, at least as of filming this right now, there are 70 to one numbers out there. I love it. Now, this is a tournament for me where I'm going to definitely save some of my outright budget for midweek. I think I want to see where the numbers are. I even think like, because it's going to be playing a little easier, a guy can maybe make a run for from six or seven strokes back on Saturday for two days and, and win the tournament. So, you know, similar like we saw a few weeks ago with Burns went down a little bit and his number dropped and we all took him and he came back on one. Like something like that you can do. But in terms of numbers I like pre-tournament, um, I think Victor Hovland and Shane Lowry, both at 35 to one, it's a good number there. Um, Harold Varner at 100 to one. I think is interesting. Uh, but other than that, I- I'm probably going to save a lot of, of my ammo. Or if I'm betting anything pre-tournament, I'm going to be looking at, at like a top 20 market uh, or something like that. That's a wrap for me, Spence. Anything, uh, anything, any other bets in terms of outrights or first-round leaders that you like that we didn't talk about? Uh, let me see if I can give a random play on here that we don't like normally it. talk about. So... You know, I do have a couple head-to-heads. Unfortunately, these numbers move so quickly by the time that I release them that they sometimes are tough to catch up to. But uh, I took Will Zalatoris minus 115 over Cameron Young. That was at Bet Online. I took Scotty Scheffler minus 120 over Justin Thomas. That was on DraftKings. I just worry about Tom. Like, I think there is some chance that Thomas pulls out of this tournament. And even if he doesn't, I don't know how much he's been actually practicing. He could get off to a slow start. And then I took Shane Lowry minus 120 over Terrell Hatton. That was also on DraftKings. I love it. I love it. That's going to be a wrap for us tonight. Uh, the last thing, reminder that this is really like the last real big tournament of the year. So play it as you will, but there's not, there's no second chances. So we're all in. We're going to have a big week. It's going to be fun. Um, and you know what? As sad as this is to say, who knows what the tour is going to look like next year with everything going on with Lib. So, Let's make it a good one. Let's win some money. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button. And uh, sports.